1: And welcome to the show, everybody. Big Dave and Joe uh, flying solo together here, as usual, uh, (laughs) pilot and co-pilot. We did have a guest in the studio last week, and uh, we had some fun with Mark Anton of Atlantic West Management Group, and uh, look forward to their game getting kicked off after the first of the year. Uh, But we have uh, lots of stuff going on as we head toward Christmas here. In fact, uh, I guess we'll let you know that... uh, We haven't decided exactly how it's going to work, but we'll probably run a best-of show the week between Christmas and New Year. And uh, we will have some of the top interviews from the year and cut some parts of those out uh, as we move through uh, into the new year. And um, still stuff going on in the world of poker. A big tournament out in uh, Las Vegas, the the Five Diamond Classic at the Bellagio. Uh, You mentioned to me that... You have played in that room. I I I've never been inside there. Uh been to a lot of rooms out in Vegas, but not the Bellagio and it's beautiful. Uh, it really is. It's a gorgeous room. And you said you uh had Steve Martin playing <laughs> yeah. right behind you. This
2: is a few years ago. He had he had a lot of his art on exhibit there at oh, the Bellagio. Okay. Yeah, I know he's an artist. So, um, you know, he had I guess his art and plus a personal art collection that he had and uh you know I remember seeing that, and, as it turns out i I sit down to play at that time I was playing thirty sixty uh limit Hold'em, and I'm one of those that I just get up, I turn around and they're yeah, sitting back to back with me with Steve martin so uh that was a nice little surprise. I can
1: remember when I was just getting out of college the uh comedy is not Pretty album <laughs> was out, and uh uh many many years ago, but what a talented guy i mean uh plays the the banjo spectacularly and of course plays. Uh, In concert, I did see him about a year ago. Uh, His backup band is called the Steep Canyon Rangers. They're they're a uh, very great bluegrass band on their own, but uh, he often joins them on tour, and will do so uh, in January. He's going to be over in Naples, and I was going to go to that show, but uh, uh, it fell at a bad time for me. So I'm actually going to see the Steep Canyon Rangers in uh, March. It's funny that you mentioned that you saw him because –
2: I wasn't a huge Steve Martin fan. I wasn't a huge fan of his comedy. But then he did, uh, what was it, The Jerk or something? Right. And, and that that had a lot of funny lines in it. But, you know, if you see the transformation of Steve Martin, which was, to me was amazing, you know, when he did Pennies from Heaven, he taught himself, I mean, he he learned how to dance, and he became a hell of a dancer. Yeah. Okay? And to this day, I still think he got robbed for all of me not winning the Oscar for for the part that he played in all of me. And I think it was due to the fact that Dustin Hoffman won playing something similar the year before, and it was just, you know... I don't understand how he did not win it because when you're supposed to be that, you think half of you is a man and half of you is a woman. And he makes you made me believe that that's what was really happening. Well, that was
1: a good one. He had The Man with Two Brains also. Yep. Uh, and uh, a lot of great movies early in his career. And he had the tremendous stand-up career, obviously. Uh, all the great appearances on Saturday Night Live. Uh, is the wild and crazy guys, the Fest Drunk Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh with Dan Aykroyd. And then, you know, kind of a time where he pulled back a little bit and maybe wasn't uh wasn't uh in the spotlight for a long time. And uh then he uh moved on to uh uh his musical career which has been a huge success. He's done two albums with Edie Brickell and uh I've always been a huge fan because uh uh, you know even in, when he does the music concerts uh he is so funny that it's you're just getting twice the value uh going to one of his shows
2: yeah like i said i I really appreciated him a whole lot as he as
1: as he went on in his career. Got a new headset there?
2: Yes, sir. All yes, right. sir. They, they did that while you were talking there <laughs> for me.
1: No, I know. Uh, anyway, uh, that's uh, that's just a mention of the Bellagio. But uh, when you look at the stars that play there, and, and uh, this tournament is uh, uh, big time, um, really kind of a, a who's who, you know, and Degrano obviously, and, and Helmuth, and Maria Ho, and all the big stars are there. Um, there's a little talk uh, about... Uh, the uh, format, which is a little bit different than in the past, is $10,000 buy-in the main event there, and uh, it's a uh, unlimited re-entry. For 10000 10, So, uh, you know, a lot of people, and uh, Alan Kessler, of course, uh, never happy with the re-entries. <laughs> a very tight, nitty-type player, of course, but uh, he actually ran a little poll, and 50% and uh, of the respondents wanted a traditional freeze-out format that they do uh, always in, in the past in the Five Diamond. And then there was 39% that said it was okay to have a re-entry tournament, but just one solo re-entry. And only 11% voted for it, unlimited. The unlimited. Yeah. So, you know, he was, he was whining on there, as usual. And uh, Matt Waxman, who's from down here in South Florida, criticized him and said, uh, you play p- plenty of re-entries that are within your financial comfort zone. He goes, you just complain because this is not in that zone. You're being hypocritical. And uh, so some people uh, found some fault with that, but... Um, I was looking back at this article, and it mentioned how uh, when they first started having uh, reentry tournaments, they had a small one out in Vegas in the World Series of Poker. I guess it was a a $1,000 buy-in or something uh, in the mid-2000s. I think in 2006 it was a $1,000 buy-in. And Daniel Negreanu reportedly had 46 rebuys in that tournament. <laughs> so I don't know if he was trying to prove a point, but uh, he, he also had two, he, two he add-ons. He didn't
2: have a gun. He didn't reload the gun. He had a machine gun.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, $48,000 in buy-ins he spent on that event. So, uh, you know, things have kind of gone back the other way and changed back to uh, – You know, single-entry tournaments, so they do have the freeze-out, a couple of freeze-outs at the Hard Rock, and, of course, the World Series of Poker has kind of withstood the re-entry fad. And, uh, you know, it's just, we could argue about it uh, over and over, but it's good for the house, it's good for uh, the players that are with the deep pockets. And so it probably will stick around, but I don't think it's it's fair to the the average player.
2: It isn't, but you know, if you wanna
1: guarantee if you wanna guarantee these these large uh
2: pool, prize pools that they that they guarantee, there's almost no way for you to do that. Uh, you know, and I'm talking from experience uh from running the room without these rebuy tournaments. It's just uh you know, as much as I would love it to just be a single buy in or like you just said, one rebuy. That would be fine also, but, you know, there's just no way running your room
1: that you could, uh, you know, that you can um,
2: cover these guarantees and give these big guarantees that they're giving out all across the country.
1: Yeah, well, I think the guarantee thing has kind of run its course as well, basically. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, it's just harder and harder now to to make the guarantee every event, and once you get hit big by one, as the Hard Rock did a couple of years ago, you know, it makes you really uh, wary of... uh, Making it too high
2: exactly and and the biggest thing with that is that you know you keep failing to do that, then the room is going to obviously start scaling it back, and I honestly believe you're going to start seeing the effects in the tournament itself right you know so
1: well the ten thousand dollar buy in tournament it's probably one of the biggest on the uh, the wPT schedule uh, and uh, the article mentions that it's kind of a lax uh re-entry rule, because you can re-enter the tournament up until level, level 9. Uh, is that about normal, would you say? Yeah,
2: level 8, level 9, usually in most of these uh, re tournaments in day 1. Remember, if they have multiple days, it's usually, uh, like I said, level 8 or level 9 has been has been the point well, for
1: most it's of It's kind them. of funny, because they're in level 8 right now of the tournament on day 2. So you, you could... Walk up to the tournament half, you know, halfway through day two, and still get into the event. So a lot of people are not happy about that, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It's drawing a lot of big tournaments. A lot of the big names showed up uh, today to play, and uh, we'll keep an eye on how it's moving along. Obviously, several days to go, and it's pretty early in the event, but uh, uh, we'll. We'll keep an eye on that. It's the WPT 5 Diamond Classic at the Bellagio. Always uh, big. Right now, 759 entries in the event with a $1,000 buy-in. So that's going to be a huge prize pool. Uh, Still 474 left. And uh, we'll keep an eye on some of the people in there. Uh, Big picture of uh, Sam Panzeca, who uh, won two events this year, including the Bay 101 and... uh, Said he uh, just went on a trip to Asia with uh, a good friend of his, Daniel Weinman, who also won a big tournament down here. So uh, he just showed up to the event. Hellmuth is in there and uh, Negreanu, of course, and a lot of other big names. So uh, we'll see if we can get a chip count for you momentarily. Uh, They did also have a a high roller event, $100,000 buy-in. And the winner was Dan Smith, uh, 1.4 million, 39 entries in that one. And uh, pretty interesting hands along the way. In fact, Negrano finished second, got down to head-to-head play uh, with uh, Dan Smith. And uh, he talks about a, a big hand. Uh, it's a super high roller there. And uh, Dan Smith got all in with pocket aces against against St- Stephen Schilhabel, who had Jack ten. And the flop came Jack ten. 10. Oh. And so pretty pretty much a cooler until the ace came on the turn. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I that I would say that's a wonderful flop. And, and that, that
1: was thing. for Negrano, so uh huge uh, hand there. Um or no, I for, for Shell, shell and uh Negrani took advantage. Uh Smith obviously had a big lead, uh, three point two million chips. At one point, and uh, Negrano actually got head to head, at 2.6 million. So uh, Negrano ultimately eliminated. He got all in on a Jack 10 4 flop with uh, Queen 10, only to lose to Smith's Ace King. The Queen hit on the river and uh, gave him the Broadway. So Negrano earns uh, 936,000 for second place. Smith wins 1.4 million for first. Schilhabel ends up in third, 624K. And then Ike Haxton, Sergio Aido, and Bryn Kenny uh, finished up uh, in the top final t- or the final six there. I think it paid uh, the six spots there with a field of 39. So uh, that's a big tournament going on there. They just finished up. Just to let you know, in, on the WSOP. Uh, they have moved on now to the bicycle in Los Angeles. Obviously, having a lot of problem with the fires out there. I'm not sure exactly where the bike is located in relationship to that storm, but I, from what I hear, a lot of the big houses in Bel Air are, are being uh, maybe four to six houses that have already been burnt down.
2: Well, I remember the the bike
1: and the uh, commerce were like about a
2: mile apart from from each other. I don't remember what highway when I was out there. It's over 20 years ago that I was in that area.
1: Right. They just finished up at the Cherokee, and I mentioned last week T.J. Shulman, who's been on the program with us before uh, from South Florida, uh, won event number one. And they had a woman from West Palm Beach, Janet Fitzgerald, uh, who also uh, won an event. She took down the monster stack with uh, 1,297 entries. Uh, So Florida uh, was pretty pretty well represented there. Uh, Jeff Trudeau. Uh, also, uh, won one of the events. He's from Orlando, so uh, Florida players doing very well there. Also, kind of noteworthy, and you know, not to, uh, you know, I, it seems like we're past this in, in, in life, but uh, there seem to be more and more black players doing very well. And uh, the casino champion, David Jackson, who's from Jacksonville, uh, was the casino champion in that one. And then the main event was won by uh, by Charles Johnson who uh so, you know, you had you had two black players that did very well at this tournament and I don't know if that is I guess that's noteworthy. I uh, you know, to me it did kinda of popped out at me but uh you know, not to be racist or anything, but uh, I think for a long time we didn't see as many black players playing the game, and I think we're seeing more and more now.
2: Well, we have Maurice Hawkins here in South Florida, who's been
1: playing. Let's not forget Phil Ivy. Yeah, of course. Uh, you but, but you go to a tournament. You know, we always talk about women being maybe three percent of the field, four percent of the field. Uh, I would say the blacks in the field would be less. Well, you know, I
2: never even thought about it. To be honest with you, Dave, I never gave that a thought. To be you know, to be honest with you, um, that they may be true, but it's for some reason I've never given that a thought. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, well, it's a touchy
1: subject. I mean, to even bring it up, I guess, would probably be offensive to some people. But uh, you know, again, that's.
2: I try to just look at, at <laughs> great poker players, regardless of whether they're they're white, black, uh, you know uh asian whatever 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 color they are it doesn't really matter to me as long as they know how to play poker
1: yeah exactly anyway charles johnson is from atlanta he's 37 years old and uh, said there is a a very thriving poker community there and uh, plays in charity tournaments uh, but uh, has been traveling down to florida for a lot of events went to tampa he was the chip leader on day 2 in a big tournament there went to Jacksonville and and ran it up and then dumped all his chips so he said uh, you know he he really kind of bounced back with this win here so um congratulations to him yeah well hey
2: it's nice especially if
1: you if you if you
2: barbecued all your chips in one tournament <laughs> to come back and uh, take another one down
1: the bike uh, series just underway just one event in the books here as uh uh, first ring went off to uh, William Collins, I guess, was the winner there. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, just 125 entries in that first event, a 365 buy-in. But uh, they'll have some big ones along the way, I'm sure. Uh, so, anyway, uh, keep an eye on the tournaments. Uh, big hard rock tournament, the fun in the sun. Uh, the schedule on that one uh, uh, we can give you uh, shortly. That's the next big tournament here. Um that starts on december the twenty sixth uh It's a small event. It's just about six uh events, uh, six tournaments in that one, and gets underway on uh, the twenty sixth uh with two flights eleven a m and seven p m in a two hundred fifty dollar buy in and then uh they will uh play into the main event, which starts on Saturday the 30th, 560. So, uh, you know, no no $5,000 tournaments or anything like that in that one. But you'll find that in the Lucky Hearts Open, which uh, starts on January the 11th and uh, continues into late January. So uh, that will be the next big tournament, and that will be a WPT uh, final table.
2: Uh, I wonder why they got rid of the $5,000 buy-in.
1: Well, this one never had a $5,000. Oh, I, I thought you think.
2: said they had. A, they got rid of I'm sorry, I must have misheard you.
1: Uh, I'm talking about the 560 is in the fun and the sun, but uh, I'm not sure exactly what the main is in the Lucky Hearts. I guess I can look that up, but uh, I think it's 3500 if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that comes later in January. And uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention that I saw on Twitter just before the show was that uh, the Seminole Hard Rock has uh, eliminated their ambassador program, uh, which was a big part of a lot of people wearing the patches around the country. And uh, now that they're spending a tremendous amount of money on uh, their construction of the new hotel and the new uh, poker room, uh, they've decided to discontinue that. So um, I don't know uh, how much those people knew. There's about eight to ten representatives, including Shetty Siddiqui, who uh, released uh, the a letter that he wrote on Twitter thanking them for everything that they've done for them, Lonnie Harwood, uh, Matt Affleck, Daryl Fish, uh, Faraz Jaka among the representatives, and then uh, Natasha Mercier uh, representing the Tampa Hard Rock, Wally Mata, and a couple of a few others. So, uh, a nice program that gave them a lot of vis- visibility, but they've decided to discontinue that, which uh, I well, guess you know runs its course. It, I don't know if
2: it just runs its course. Also, it could be that you know. With all the construction, they don't think they can get the value that they've been getting it with everybody there. Being that the you know the the, the final product, the finished product of this guitar hotel and everything else that they're doing there, right. is it going to happen until the end of uh, next? Well, it's well actually, until 2019. Right, right. about 2019. So right. you're looking at a good year and a half.
1: Not that they've missed a beat, you know, with uh, having the tournaments in the ballroom and and uh, moving their poker room back there so it's not a big difference uh there but we'll uh you know give them credit for uh really supporting uh some poker players in the community that uh, all that sponsorship money disappeared five years ago and we really haven't seen too much of it uh, replace that
2: well you know this this was a way of doing that and you know i'm sure they got a good return on their money for, with yeah, these, I think with, so. with these ambassadors
1: yeah exactly
2: That was a great group of people there
1: anyway uh just looking back at the 5 diamond uh brandon myers the chip leader on day 2 260k and no one else over 200,000 um alex foxen is in fifth place with, with 145 um eric basebaldy baldwin uh, 111,000, Reiner, Kempy, 106, Chip, Chip, Jack, uh, Chip Jet is just over 100,000. So about the top 10 over 100,000. So very early in the tournament, but we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Anyway, let's take our first break on the show. We've got a couple things to talk about tonight. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Mardi Gras, this poker room uh, reopening uh, over the weekend, and uh, some other things about some South Florida properties when we come back. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line. Of course, you can always pick up the show on uh, SoundCloud, a good place to to get the program. Of course, iTunes always a place where you can download the show for free. You can get a subscription, a free subscription, and uh, have it download every time you open iTunes. Of course, our uh, our own website, PokerActionLine. dot com, is a place you can get the show on a regular basis. And then Holdem Radio Network, a good place to hear the show as well. The Pokerfuse podcast page, many others, Stitcher Radio. And uh, a lot of other places, that wherever you get your uh, podcast, you can pick up the show every week. We come to you weekly from South Florida, from the Pembroke Pines area, and uh, hope to be around for a long time. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line from
0: South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You made the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman! Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on FeedThePig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show.
1: Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line. And uh, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the effect of Hurricane Irma here uh, on the poker community in South Florida. And uh, Joe, you've worked at Poker Rooms. You've been responsible for employees. And I want to get some of your thoughts on... uh, uh, the Big Easy Poker Room, which is at the Mardi Gras Casino. Uh, it, just about everybody else was maybe closed for anywhere from four to seven days. Uh, over on the west coast of Florida, it was a little bit longer for uh, the Naples area, Naples-Benita uh, Springs, uh, Greyhound Track over there. So it took them some time to get back open again. But most of the places uh, were not damaged that badly. But they that wasn't the story at the Mardi Gras Casino, which had a tornado that hit the building during the hurricane uh took the roof off and uh they were closed uh their last day of operation was September the 6th the storm was like the 8th and 9th i guess of September
2: it hit it hit actually hit on the 10th here okay, in the, South Florida okay.
1: and uh but they had closed for the weekend to prepare and uh so they've been closed for about 12 weeks uh reopened on Friday night Friday morning i i, I mean and uh racing has returned it's still going to be a while before they get their slot machines back in there and, and get the the casino redone but uh the poker room is open uh players didn't seem to miss a beat uh so start with the players you know the what the effect on your business is we talked a lot about it during the uh, interim period that some other casinos had uh, honored uh slots uh coupons and and uh, let people show their card and give them free points and stuff like that. So they did try to steal some customers.
2: Well, I know Gulfstream. I know
1: Gulfstream really, um, you know, Gulfstream was the main one
2: went way overboard on that, you know, trying to to attract their customers and and of course you know they're what? two miles I'm away not, from each I'm other. not going to hold that against them. No. You know, um, you know, uh, as they say, all's fair in love and war, and this is what you have here. This is a business, and it's a it's a great opportunity for you to try to attract, you know, some of their customers, some of their I don't want to say loyal customers, but their their consistent customers that do show up, you know, the majority of the time that's their favorite room to play in. Right. And again, being that Gulfstream is about a mile and a half away, you know, they've obviously chosen Mardi Gras over Gulfstream, so for Gulfstream it's a great opportunity. I know that Dania you know, where we both work,
1: which is also, also two and a half also, miles, three right, miles, maybe benefited
2: from there. benefited from this. Um, they, they did not go to that extent of Gulfstream of trying to lure all, you know, they just gave their normal, you know, things promotional money. promotional money. They didn't do anything extra to try to draw their customers. And, um, you know, as a poker player as a slot player you know whatever you know however you you know whatever it is that you like to do at 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 that particular establishment it's great that somebody you know especially not far away from there is willing to pick up the slack and try to offer you something to see if maybe the the way they treat you you know what they have wins you over as a steady customer listen if they could keep just 10% of the people that were constantly going to to Mardi Gras all of a sudden start coming to your place in poker room. just look at it this way, Dave, in the poker room. If you only steal nine to twelve players you know that used to always go over there, but now they're in your room four or five days a week, that's an extra table table yeah. and a half, and believe it or not, when you start doing the numbers, that adds up to a lot of yeah, money at I the end imagine. of the year. you know, so uh from that standpoint, yeah, I understand the business side from the customer standpoint. Yeah, it it sucks that maybe your favorite room was closed because of, you know, what happened. But as we know here in South Florida, there's a lot of different options. From Mardi Gras alone, we're talking Gulfstream, Dania, Hard Rock, uh, all all within, you know, between five minutes to 15-minute drive. Then you're talking, if you want to go south, you know, 25 minutes to Casino Miami, Hialeah. Uh, magic city want to go north another 20 25 minutes to the aisle you know coconut creek so you know you're in heavy competition to begin with right so if you take a misstep and obviously it's not because of any of any of anything wrong that they did it's just you know nature took its course you know now you have to come back i don't know what kind of promotions they try to offer to get everybody back I have 500 dollars uh,
1: free hands free or high hands uh, you know from two to ten.
2: Uh, but you know, you, you're going to have to now, I don't want to say it's like starting over because you do have a fan base, but now it's almost feels like you're opening up the room again for the first time. And now you've got to kind of go a little above what you were doing before to try to get back just to your normal, just back to your normal, uh, customer base.
1: Well, they had hoped to open within a month and it turned into three months There was a lot of uncertainty, and I don't think the management was really had a a good handle on when they were going to reopen. So let me ask you, as a manager of a poker room, and and you're going to lose some employees. uh, I talked to Dave Litvin uh, the other day on Sunday, and he said, "Yeah, we lost a few, but uh, you know, a lot of them are coming back." And uh, what do you do to try to hang on to your employees? Basically, you can't really, you don't have any news for them to say. This is when we're going to reopen. Uh, it's a really tough situation.
2: Most people, Dave. Most people need this constant
1: paycheck, right. you know.
2: And even though you can collect unemployment when a situation like this occurs, you know, that's not enough money. Yeah. Not, not when you're a dealer. Not when you not work at most, most of the casinos. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, as a manager, you know what I, w- I, I, you know, I would just tell them, Hey, listen, do what you got to do to take care of your family. Right. You know we're always going to be here for you when this opens up we'd love to have you back you know you you you've got to be think about it i would imagine eighty five to ninety percent if not a higher number felt really bad leaving them you know but as a manager you've got to reassure them hey listen you know doors are going to be open for you you're going to be welcome back with open arms you know do what you've got to do to take care of your family that's first and foremost you know uh, not, you can't think about the business. You can't think about anything else. When you manage a large group of, of employees like this, their their safety, their 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 you know their well-being, as far as financial, health-wise, their their property, has to come first. Right. You know. And when you do put that first, they know that. You understand. And the only employees that I think that they are going to lose is the ones who may have been offered full time benefits at other at other establishments that just stepped into something really good or a schedule that they've always wanted. Preferred as opposed preferred to maybe working late night they exactly. got daytime. You Monday. understand that there's little nuances that come right, in. Right. All of a sudden you step into something and you go, Oh my goodness, you know, uh, I like this. You might lose a f five percent just because they like the way things are run better at the other casino that they've now gotten employed at, as opposed to right. you know you as the manager and your supervisors and and your staff and um but in most of these cases, I think you're gonna get about eighty to eighty five percent of your staff back you're you're almost certain to get back everybody who had uh benefits you know health benefits and everything right. else who were right. the full timers because I know they didn't have all full time people there so Whoever had those jobs, I am certain will be coming back uh, on top of that. They were making good money there. You know, I know a couple of the dealers there. They were all making very good money, but the ones who had benefits, you know, you, right. you, you definitely don't want to give that up. So as far as that's concerned, Dave, that's how you have to handle it. And the biggest thing that you have to do is stay in touch with them. Right. How are you doing? How's it going at the other place? Yeah, show them that you're supportive that you, care, about them, that you right. care and that you're supportive of what they're doing. Right. So, I think that goes a long way in getting loyalty back from your from your employees to come back to work for you.
1: Right. Uh, well, I they did post a uh, a flyer uh, welcoming everybody back, uh, telling them uh, how much uh, they appreciate uh, the time that they choose to spend with them. And, uh, you know, how much that they love poker and they want people to continue to be there. So uh, I found uh, that almost to a person of the ones I talked to, a half dozen to a dozen customers, uh, all were super happy to have them reopen again, Uh, went to other places. Some of them were ones that uh, circulate among the area and, and on a regular basis so they don't have one particular casino uh, one guy went as far as to say, hey, it's the easiest game in town here. That's why I'm always going to come back. So, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I was there Sunday night and talked to a lot of customers and uh, a few employees. And uh, the the room was bright. Uh, they repainted the whole room. Uh, Brand-new carpeting. New felts on all the tables. Uh, they had to install some additional TV sets because they're trying to promote themselves as kind of a sports bar feel to their, uh, they have their a room. bar
2: right there, nice bar yeah. right next to the room
0: there too.
1: But they got more TVs, uh, more uh, big screen TVs, uh, which they thought was important to. Uh, and this is something you always get where people are sitting in a chair and they can't see the TV that they want to see that well. You really have to try to work your TV uh, positioning so that everybody can see TVs uh, the way they want to. You know, you're not it's not going to be perfect, but. Uh, you know, they, they, there's different angles from every yeah. chair on the table.
2: Trust me when I tell you, you're never going to make everybody yeah. happy.
1: Yeah, I'm sure of that. You can't get that.
2: We went through that at Dania, and that's that, you know, you have that big, as you well know, over the main stage, and the poker room's up on top, so right. it's easy to see. But, you know, it's it's that's a constant battle in almost all the casinos. Yeah,
1: I'm you sure. You know,
2: uh, it's just something you got to live with, and as a poker room, like you said, you try to put up more TVs, but no matter what, you put up more, and, and you're still going to get complaints. Yes, so, exactly. You know, there, there's not much you can do as far as that's concerned. Do the best you can, and then tell people, listen, you know, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to change the game that you play if you want to see that.
1: Well, they did start on the first, and uh, they had dog racing is returned there as well. Uh, the casino uh, slot machines are not open yet. Uh, tournaments have not yet returned. They had a nightly free roll at 7 p.m. there. And uh, Dave told me that he was hoping to uh, kind of have the same general schedule as they had before. So uh, that will probably uh, resume after the first of the year.
2: Yeah, and, and, you know, we're not privy to the, I mean, obviously it was extensive damage that the tornado did. But, and without the slots being open, obviously it screwed up the electrics, uh, you know, the electronics that yeah, go into cameras, the, the, that's the computer thing. Camera coverage. The camera coverage that you have to have to by state law. Um you know, I remember. You know, our chips were well secured, but again, you know, tornado hits. You know, I don't know if you if you plan for that. So, uh, you know, the, there are a couple of other things that we may not be privy to right, as far exactly. as as to what other damages they got, and this could be the reason for some of the delays. Because remember, if you lost any amount of chips, you've you've got to inventory them. The state always has to know how much you have. Not only in live chips, but in tournament chips, and if a significant amount of those got damaged, that's a nice expense, Dave. Trust me, I know that's a that's a big expense that you got to do, especially for a room that says that is as you know uh, busy as their room is, and uh, and how well they run their tournaments. It's very expensive to to replace those chips, and you have to get the uh, I mean, obviously you could just reorder the same style of chips that you
1: had. Well, I think the chips they, they remained intact. It looked like they were the same ones that they had before. But uh, I was in there Sunday evening, maybe around 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, they had 15 tables going, so uh, like they bounced right back. And uh, people that I talked to were very happy to uh, be back there again.
2: Yeah, and, you know, that, that's a tremendous amount of tables. That was on what day, what was it, that you were there? I
1: was there on Sunday, the third, their third day open.
2: All right, that's, that's, that's Pretty really good. nice. Yeah, 15 tables for not being, ha- be, not being open for three months, practically. Right. So that's, that's impressive.
1: There's other news uh, upcoming, a uh, story coming out of Jacksonville that I'd like to talk about. Uh, uh, there's a chance that Florida voters could decide next year uh, whether to ban dog racing. Uh, so, you know, a lot That's of place, places would be happy. A lot of these places would be happy about that. I know that uh, they still uh, operate a pretty uh, ambitious racing schedule at Mardi Gras, but I, I don't think they would be broke up to do without it. But uh, this story came out of Jacksonville. I want to talk about that a little bit because obviously the poker
2: is tied into it. it no, well, see, here's what's going to happen. I guarantee you the dog tracks are going to be in favor of that, even though they're not going to say that. And the reason is. If if the voters vote that out, they're going to have to be they're, they're going to have great grounds to be grandfathered in for all for the for the poker rooms and for the for the ones down here uh, for the slot room you know for the their casinos because it's of no you know no cause of their own no fault of their own that 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 they no longer have the paramutual side of it that is required to run a casino and to run a poker room. Right. So my guess is, you know, the, they're definitely not going to talk about it, but I think that they they secretly would love to see this become law because that that would take out a large expense of 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 running their casino. That's really
1: not making money at this point.
2: Exactly. That's why it's an exp- that's why I said it's an yeah,
1: expense. Exactly.
2: All these pari outside of the horses, none of them are, can be making money. Right. None of them can be making money. You know, you're happy if if you're only losing a small amount of money, you know, and like in High the salaries of the players, that's why the rosters have gone down to so low. Right. And I don't know how they've handled the prize pools in, in that thing, but I know they've gone down to Nothing compared to what it was in its heyday, and I would assume the dog racing is is very similar
1: to that. Well, we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, A new proposition called Proposal 67. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show when we come back after this.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: and the play-for-real game becomes available later this
0: year. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Back on the show, Big
1: Dave and Joe in uh, the state of Florida. Some stuff uh, upcoming. Uh, This story actually came out of Jacksonville where they have the Best Bet uh, casino, they have dog racing at Orange Park. Uh and uh the Best Bet casino uh, is a huge poker room uh that's uh located up there. That's the state's largest poker room and uh Orange Park uh, a little bit smaller, but uh both two dog tracks up there or two uh facilities up there for poker and uh the dog track kind of covers both of them, but uh the law in Florida over the past few years is Whatever you ran, whether it was high lie horse racing, harness racing, dog racing, you had to have a certain number of dates each year in order to have slots or poker. And it was based on that. And uh, you could only decrease the number of dates by 10% each year. So uh, everybody's pretty much stuck doing what they were doing. Uh, we know that the horse racing at Gulfstream is still very successful uh at dania is, is still doing well miami would love to get rid of their highlight and they are uh, heading toward that i believe at some point the dog racing places uh, i don't know which ones uh like i think jacksonville was doing okay with theirs and some of the places would maintain it uh, you know unless they didn't have to have it but as you mentioned um there's been a lot of uh opposition to dogs over the years from Uh, you know, animal rights people that feel that the dogs have been mistreated. And we know that that stuff uh, happens. Uh, Senator Tom Lee from Thonata Sassa down here in Florida sponsors this uh, proposal and says, uh, our society has changed. We're evolving as a people. We're becoming more sensitive to those who occupy this world with us, regardless of their species. And he said, we've banned all sorts of activities that have been considered cruel to animals, bullfighting, cockfighting, and all kinds of things. To me, this is just the next step on that plane, of becoming more sensitive to this kind of inhumanity. So that's his point of view on why this bill is being sponsored. Uh, The dog people simply are not making the money, as you mentioned before the break, and would love to get rid of it because it is a huge expense. Uh, High Lie is not making the kind of money it made 25, 30 years ago. And uh, it costs a lot of money to pay for these guys and their health insurance and all that sort of thing as well. So probably a lot of them would be happy to get rid of it as well.
2: Highlight, uh, Miami Highlight I know for a fact, has been losing money every single day, probably since about 2006, 2007, at a bare minimum, that they've been losing money. I mean, I remember when I was helping up at Mutuals to break even at that time based on the salaries and the prize pools that they had for the players and whatever other benefits, I was told that they had to, sell, you know, the day their, their their mutuals handle had to be $35,000 of performance. Okay? Okay. So you're looking, you know, that they had to take in, you know, figuring that the majority of the bets are, are the, uh, uh, what do they call those bets? The the exactus trifectas, what do they call those? The, uh, the exotics. Exotic bets, okay? So, you know, you're talking about Twenty-five percent take on thirty-five. You know, you're looking at you know almost nine thousand uh, dollars, just under nine thousand dollars, a performance. And we were running what was it, ten performances? I believe yeah, back then. Right. So you're looking at they had to clear ninety thousand just to just to break even. And you know we we were getting we were getting weeks where i don't think we had more than forty or fifty thousand for the whole week and it just kept going lower and lower and lower than that right and i remember when i started going to highlight as a, as a customer in eighty nine and i know you've been involved with them way before me you know fridays and uh, fridays matinee and evening performances and saturdays matinee and evening they used to throw a party when they reached a mm-hmm. million dollar handle between the two performances, exactly. You know, now they were running, they were running ten weeks and couldn't come up with half a million.
1: Right, exactly. So, well, it, because of those uh, reasons, they have tried over the years to just install decoupling of uh, these rules, which is to change the laws so that you didn't have to operate the live races or live games uh, in order to continue your poker room or depending which, on or the slots here in South Florida.
2: Which most uh, states that have uh, racinos, as they call them. Uh, you know that are coupled with paramutuals have done over right. the course of time that 's what they've done
1: well they haven 't been able to get that accomplished, so this new proposal uh from uh Tom Lee uh actually bans greyhound racing doesn 't really say anything about Highline, not sure what would be involved there, but uh this is uh something that the general provisions committee has to uh, approve and it would uh ban greyhound racing as of december thirty first of two thousand and nineteen. So there's still some time left where they would still be forced to run. But uh, it goes to the executive committee and then will be uh, considered by the full 37-member commission, uh, which meets once every 20 years to consider constitutional changes. So it just so happens that falls in, in this time period. So uh, we'll How convenient. see what happens.
0: How convenient.
1: <laughs> they need a 60% approval from the voters. Uh, it's actually going to go on the 2018 ballot if they get their way and it uh, needs to be approved this proposal uh, by the uh, public so uh uh there'll be a chance to vote on it and we'll decide uh what will happen originally they had planned to phase out the ground racing by July of 2021 but uh, they decided they would make it earlier at the end of 2019
2: so and and notice how in all of that that you just read none of none of it uh you know uh addresses the poker rooms and the and, and the casinos that 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 right. have well, dog racing. Right. Yeah, well, uh, the the, pari-
1: the pari- actual paramutuals yeah. didn't speak at these meetings. They're going to let the anti, uh, you know, the pro animal people basically carry the lead on this, and then hope that they can get what they want on on the uh, other end. So, uh, it's been a big part of South Florida for uh, many many years. It would be a big change, but. Uh, uh, I think it's. I think that people will support uh, this and vote it voted, in uh, voted to agree, uh, pass the law.
2: I agree, Dave. And you know, as we were discussing off the air now, when, during our last break, how some of the uh, frontons throughout the state are running two-man rosters and no betting and no anything else. You know, that's how they're going to get around not having to pay all these people once once their CBA contracts are up.
1: Right. So anyway, this committee will meet, they'll decide, and it could be on the ballot uh, next November. So we'll see what happens. Then uh, it would go into effect uh, December 31st of 2019. So uh, a huge impact on poker because... uh, you know it's going to free up a lot of money and maybe uh, the rooms spend more t- more time promoting their poker rooms and their uh, their slots uh, arena who knows
2: well <laughs> knowing on how they operate these things and how most of these rooms operate i don't see it being a lot more than what you're getting right now because these rooms now i mean as as we've discussed before on the show dave the amount of money that we give out for promotional high hands down here it's just ins- can't get any bigger, it's insane, <laughs> you know i I you know the rest of the country's got to be you know looking at us, going, what the hell are these people doing down there, but we are producing unbelievable numbers, you know, and um it, you know it, it is what it is here in South Florida, and I don't see how you can go much higher, yeah, I really don't know how you can go much higher, I think that all that does is if this if they decouple this, it just is going to be more profit in their pockets.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we need to take one more break on the show. Uh, we're also, along these same lines, are keeping an eye on what's happening in Atlantic or in the Supreme Court uh, with uh, basically deciding whether they can have sports betting in New Jersey. That's the main gist of it. But, of course, it's a huge uh, uh, states' rights, rights issue and um, will be a big ruling, of course, they had they had the uh, oral arguments on Monday, but they won't actually uh, come back with a decision until probably the next spring, uh, maybe even into the summer.
2: Can you imagine how much bigger the hard rock would be down here if sports betting was wow. allowed?
1: absolutely Can you huge. imagine
2: that? And uh, it would definitely, I think, save the casino industry uh, from <laughs> a very slow death that's happening now in New Jersey. You know, and... To be honest with you I don't know what the arguments have been to hold it against I know that obviously the professional leagues have Our not wanted it, it but how is that possible when we already have one state in the union that you know it's all about sports betting you know it's uh the you know the, they tell us the numbers that are there it it just doesn't make to me it doesn't make sense if a state uh, has voted if its residents have voted and have said we want to see sports gambling it should be allowed but again I'm not a lawyer or a Supreme Court judge. So, <laughs>
1: well, you, you've you've been aware of uh, the sports betting industry for your career. I know. Uh, yes, I have. I and of course the poker. Well, you you think there's a strong connection between poker players and sports betters? Absolutely, and huge, huge overlap, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, I think
2: more so with poker players than with any other casino table games because. You know, unlike being at a craps table, roulette table, blackjack table, yeah, you can see some of the TVs, but you know, the action moves so quickly while in poker it does have it does have its its rhythm, you know, and it's a lull there. And you know, I would say I would actually say that you probably got about seventy, seventy five percent of poker players are either heavy betters. Medium betters or light betters, but at least seventy percent put action yeah, on games.
1: I agree. Uh, we'll talk a little more about this next week. I want to do a little research and uh, and uh, find out what happened with the oral arguments. There really hasn't been a lot of talk. Just l- letting people know that it probably wouldn't be a decision for another four to six months. So uh, it's not going to happen immediately. But I'd like to uh, kind of find out what was said. Uh, the case is Chris, Chris Christie versus the NCAA. So. Uh, uh, that's the ruling, it would eliminate PASPA, the, uh, which bans uh, the sports betting, has been in place uh, since the early 90s, so uh, this would be a rollback of that. But we'll take a look at a little bit farther. Uh, Steve Ruddock wrote a great article, we had Steve on about a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, to talk about the Pennsylvania uh, online poker. But uh, he wrote a nice article about that, you can pick that up on uspoker.com, and uh, we'll we'll maybe get Steve back on the show to talk that angle as well. Uh, We'll finish things up when we return. I got a little uh, page from a previous magazine talking about percentages of opening hands and I wanted to go over that with Joe. We'll take a look again at the uh, Five Diamond Classic and uh, we'll finish things up when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back after more of these messages.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: And the play-for-real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back. Final segment of the program. Big Dave and Joe just looking quickly at the uh, Bellagio tournament. Uh, still the chip leader, Brandon Myers. And uh, so a lot of the players that did very well here in South Florida made the final uh, couple of tables, three, four tables. A lot of them doing very well. Lily Coletto. Uh, Dan Coleman, of course, uh, doing well. And... Uh, Some of those other players we're keeping an eye on uh, moving up the charts. Benjamin Zamani from South Florida is uh, doing well. Uh, A lot of big-name players. Chris Moorman, Joe Keither, uh, Olivier Olivier Bousquet, and a whole list of players uh, down the line there. Right now they are at uh, heading into level nine, so that will close out the entries very shortly. 759 entries uh, Poning up to ten thousand for that tournament. Four seventy four is the count still left, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, also, wanted to take a quick look as we uh, roll things down. The uh, Global Poker Index and the Card Player uh, Player of the Year races are coming down to the wire, and uh, Bryn Kenny is the leader in both apparently. Um, Adrian Mateos right behind so uh while their procedures for determining uh the top uh players are a little bit different uh both those two are the top two in uh and we will look at some of that stuff next week uh at the uh card player magazine fader holtz is in third, and just a Bonomo, fifth David Peters is seventh. Uh, We will uh, run down some of those names next week as they finish things out. Of course, this tournament here that we just talked about, the Five Diamond, will have a lot to do with it. And there's a big tournament in Prague uh, right before Christmas. And the Poker Stars uh, Championship Super High Roller coming up still as well and a few other things there. So uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that stuff. But I want to uh, kind of finish things off with this little... uh, a uh, list of uh, opening hands, uh, race probabilities uh, for hands, and, and kind of run a few past Joe, see if he had an idea of uh, the percentages of uh, w- which hand would be bigger. Let's start out with uh, a pocket pair, a uh, middle pocket pair like uh, pocket sevens, which you mentioned earlier to me in the show, against ace-jack offsuit. Uh, which one is, uh, what is the percentage there? Can you give me that?
2: I, I would imagine... Um, the ace jack is a very slight favorite, maybe fifty one percent, fifty two forty eight, something like that. Now,
1: actually, the sevens are a slight favorite, fifty five to forty five. That high, huh? Then, well, I guess the ace
2: king against pocket queens would be the same.
1: Ace king, uh, yeah, they don't have that one listed here, but because uh, that's always what they call the classic race. Yeah, exactly. You know, so Probably a little bit closer with. Ace I would king.
2: imagine if that ace jack is suited, it would be closer to that
1: fifty. Exactly. You
2: know, a percentage. So,
1: okay, uh, how about a higher pocket pair like queens against the lower pair,
2: sixes? Oh, they're they're, they're you know that's I would imagine that's somewhere around eighty something percent. Yeah, very
1: good. Eighty-two percent for the queens to eighteen uh, percent for the sixes. Uh, pocket queens against. Lower connectors, but not suited.
2: I would imagine the queens are s- still between seventy-five and eighty percent. Yeah,
1: eighty-one percent. There you Very go. Uh, pocket aces against uh, suited connectors, lower ones, say like a six-seven.
0: If
2: if if you have the ace in the, su- in the same suit as the two suited connectors,
1: I would probably say that's still a good. Eighty-eight. It's actually seventy-seven, so a little bit less, less. Uh, because of the suited. Uh, how about a middle pocket pair like eights against higher suited connectors like ace, like say queen jack uh, of diamonds.
2: Now the way I look at that, I would probably put that somewhere around
1: again around the fifty percent. Exactly fifty percent. There you There's go. There's your perfect race right there. Uh, how about a uh, ace three. Uh, Not suited, but ace-three against a a lower pair. How low? Uh, Sevens.
2: All right, sevens. The sevens are favored, I would imagine, by about 70, 72 percent.
1: Yeah, 64
2: percent. Okay, I might put it a little too high.
1: Uh, And how about jacks against two lower cards like uh, seven-four offsuit? 7-4
2: 7-4 offsuit and jacks? I'd love for somebody to call me with 7-4 <laughs> offsuit. i I got to imagine that's
1: got to be in the 80s. 89 to there 11. You go. To 11. Uh, two over cards against two middle cards. King-jack offsuit against seven six seven offsuit. 68, 69 percent?
2: 62. All
1: right. Which oh. is a little bit lower than oh. I thought. Okay uh and how about uh, one nice overcard uh against unsuited connectors king 7 offsuit against 8 9 offsuit
2: king 7 offsuit against 8 9 offsuit right king 7 maybe 55
1: 56 56 is exactly correct king 7
2: and I told you I didn't know that i'm just I'm just using my mathematical brain against this because it's not <laughs> something I really don't think this way because you I'm, d- I'm, that, unless that's, I'm putting that's my my question, i guess to unless you. I'm putting my opponent You, you understand? Because the math is pretty simple to do because you know I've done this a long enough time to know you know the scenarios of those cards, and I love when they say what the percentage is but that's great information if you know what your opponent has. Yeah, <laughs> you right. understand? If you know you're going to be a 62 percent chance to win, that's a pretty nice percentage to have. 62 to 38 is a good percentage. But do you know that? Do you know that? A, that with a king seven, are you thinking of that? I, I, I mean, you know, greater players obviously could school me on this or, or school our 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 audience on this, our listeners, but. I'm basing that just strictly knowing what both players have and working what the math is real quick in my head and trying to come within four or five percentage points. So far, I haven't done too bad.
1: So the key is not really knowing the percentages. The key is uh, anticipating what the ranges are of your opponent. uh,
2: Exactly. Putting them them on a range of hands with what you have. And is your hand going to be a favorite over theirs? Yeah. And how much of a favorite? You know, and you know a lot of things like you always say in poker the, the 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 absolute answer is always it depends
1: yeah absolutely. okay
2: and the same thing happens here you know i used to love as i mentioned before the start of the show the card player loves putting those hands and putting the percentage before the flop yeah 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 you could do that easily because you know what the two cards are how does that help somebody who's reading this you know cuz i look at information like this and anything else in any another any other publication is how's it going to help my game, you know? And
0: right. unless
2: right. unless I am taught how to put people on certain ranges, and remember, this is based pre-flop. This is before, because those numbers change completely once you tell me that there's a flop, and now one person has this, one person has this. Now those numbers that we just discussed go out the window. Right. Some will go way up, some will go down. A big favorite will now become a bigger underdog, and and it's all just based on on the probabilities that are out there.
1: Well, that's going to do it for the show. We'll finish with just a little note. One of the guys we've had on the show before uh, that's kind of a controversial figure is Solomon Ponte. I remember Solomon, who has made uh, a lot of noise after he won a big tournament. Yeah, he the,
2: had a he, he had a big mouth. <laughs> yeah,
1: he did. And uh, they uh, police in Canada in uh, Toronto. Uh, actually released a surveillance tape of an assault that took place at a, quote, illegal gambling den in Richmond Hill, and uh, his, pic- his face was blurred out, but and they wouldn't confirm who it was, but uh, people who uh, saw, you know, are from that area and uh, know the the different people said that the victim was uh, Solomon Ponte, uh, known as the Hashtag King, and I actually watched a video, and uh, there was actually two other guys in the room that did absolutely nothing, but uh, supposedly it was an argument over some uh, money that was owed, but uh, he, took, when a, he have took a, a beating. Mouth, when you have a mouth like his, you talk to people like that, and I've seen
2: it in poker rooms, Dave. I have seen it in poker rooms, and as a matter of fact, well, it had to be seven, eight, nine months ago at, at Mardi Gras, uh, a guy that I know for a fact loves to get under people's skins because he used to play in my room all the time, Uh You know, opened his mouth once too many times, and somebody said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to go over there and punch you in the face. And he says, you ain't going to do so-and-so, which I can't repeat. And about six seconds later, he was on the floor because the guy was true to his word.
1: (laughs) Well, it's not really funny to laugh at people getting their ass beat, but uh, sometimes I guess it probably is kind of deserved.
2: Well, you know, listen, you know, you, you, if you act like an a hole, sometimes you're going to be treated like an a hole, right?
1: Exactly. Anyway, we'll we'll get some more information about that in the future. Uh, He treated me fine. Uh, A lot of people can't stand the guy, but. Uh, We'll hope he does better over the next uh, few weeks. Anyway, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, We'll get to some more uh, topics next week. Keep an eye on what's happening with that Florida bill and what's coming with that. And uh, we'll look at a couple of hands probably next week as well. So we'll be back with more uh, on Poker Action Line next week. We hope you'll join us then. Gio, thank you for all your help as usual. As always. (laughs) And Joe, you as well. And we'll be back with another edition of the show next
0: week.